0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Policy Pack Software, where you use group policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage the lockdown applications, Java browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And also by Liquidware, the innovator in adaptive workspace management solutions. And of course, also by Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. ZDNet has reported that Microsoft have invested an undisclosed amount in the cloud data management company Rubrik. This is as part of a plan to jointly develop zero trust products built on the Azure cloud. Rubrik provides cloud backup and recovery services on Azure, AWS, Google Cloud Platform and Microsoft 365 as well as ransomware recovery services. Rubrik was valued at $3.3 billion in 2019. According to a Bloomberg source, Microsoft's investment was in the low tens of millions and valued Rubrik at about $4 billion. Rubrik says its combination with Microsoft's cloud will allow customers to protect critical applications such as SQL, Oracle, and VMware, as well as network attached storage devices with Azure. This week, Microsoft announced a price increase for Office 365 subscriptions. This is the first price increase since 2011. A CNBC article highlighted how some of the apps and features have been added over the last decade, like Microsoft Teams, for example, I guess maybe to suggest the value that's been added and thus justify the price increase. The changes to the subscription price will go into effect on March 1st, 2022, so still a while away. The increases include that the Microsoft 365 Business Basic will go up to $6 per user per month from the previous $5. Microsoft Business Premium will move to $22 from $20, so a $2 increase. The Microsoft 365 E3 variant will be $36 compared with $32 today. Office 365 E1 will be $10 instead of $8. The E3 will rise to $23 from $20. And the premium Office 365 E5 tier will cost $38. That's up from $35. So I guess not a substantial increase, I guess from a small business or single consumer perspective, but this is a commercial increase and for larger organizations, it is gonna work out as somewhat significant. Winarrow.com had an article this week about the latest features delivered to Edge in the Canary preview. One of the features allows you to freeze inactive tabs almost immediately. You can select a new setting, labeled less than a minute of inactivity from the options in the sleeping tabs timeout drop down menu. And after that, Edge will put to sleep all inactive tabs, allowing you to reallocate resources to more important tasks or your currently open web page, which actually sounds like a dream because I have a lot of tabs open when I'm recording the podcast each week and it seems to drive my laptop's fan crazy. So while I'm recording, that would be a good option to have. Vice have reported that T-Mobile says it is investigating a forum post claiming to be selling a mountain of personal data. The forum post itself doesn't mention T-Mobile, but the seller told Motherboard they have obtained data related to over 100 million people and that the data came from T-Mobile servers. I believe I saw in a more recent article the suggestion is that there was data for close to 39 million people. The initial reports were suggesting over 100 million people, so what the final number is I guess we'll find out later. The data is reported to include social security numbers, phone numbers, names, physical addresses, unique IMEI numbers off phones, and driver license information. The seller is asking for 6 Bitcoin, which is around $270,000 for just a subset of the data containing 30 million social security numbers and driver's licenses. The seller said they are privately selling the rest of the data at the moment. So obviously six Bitcoin sounds very low, but that's only for a subset of the data. They are probably gonna ask and receive a higher fee from different sources who want that information. This seems to be a trend at least in the last few months, where it's less about encrypting the data now, it's more about selling the exfiltrated data either back to the victims, or in this case, partially back to the victims, and then the rest sold out on the private market. And in this case, there was no ransomware attack, at least going off the reports that I read. This is purely a data breach. So maybe if it swings back that way, away from being full-on ransomware attacks and just taking the data and selling it, since that seems to be what's ending up happening in most cases now. Well, not most cases, but some cases now. That might at least be less disruptive. Like, for example, the HSE in Ireland, the healthcare system, that's been working for months trying to recover their systems after a ransomware. And in the end, the ransomware gang gave them the decryption key for free, and then just sold some of the data anyway. But if you're gonna do that, how about you not disrupt a healthcare service? And the Irish healthcare system is one of many, really. So, as bad as it sounds, the lesser of two evils might just be these data breaches occurring without the ransomware encrypting files. Leaping Computer wrote this week on a feature article about an application called EasyWSL which I'd never heard about before. They say that the tool can convert almost any Linux Docker image into a WSL distro. So that's the Windows subsystem for Linux. The Microsoft Store, they say, offers many pre-built Linux WSL distributions such as Fedora, Ubuntu, Alpine, Kali, Debian, and more but for other distros that you might like that are not featured currently, this tool could come in useful. This week, Microsoft released the first official Windows 11 ISO for the latest preview build version 22000.132. The new build includes an updated Windows clock with support for focus sessions. They say that focus sessions is a feature for those who want to set aside blocks of time The feature includes integrations with the Microsoft To-Do product, as well as with Spotify for those who want background music during their focus session. Sounds kind of interesting, I guess. And last week, Microsoft released test builds of their refreshed snipping tool, calculator, and mail and calendar apps for Windows 11. So those are presumably also included in this latest preview build. Those who do opt to try the new ISO will also experience a new out-of-the-box setup experience. On a previous episode of the podcast, I covered the fact that Microsoft were pulling support for Microsoft 365 on Internet Explorer. And since I covered that, they have automatically redirected 3,773 sites open in Internet Explorer to Microsoft Edge. And Microsoft are cranking up the push away from Internet Explorer 11. Microsoft have gone on to explain. This week Microsoft stated some changes that are going to occur for Internet Explorer users beginning August 17th. So this is August 19th when I'm recording this, so two days ago. What came into effect is for Outlook web app users logging in with Azure Active Directory accounts will still receive their full OA experience, but will not receive any new features from this week forward. While users logging in with Microsoft accounts will be redirected to a Outlook Web App light experience. Microsoft say that they understand that some customers may continue to use Open with Explorer and View in File Explorer, that's only accessible in IE11 to access document libraries. And to avoid disruption, these customers will be able to use these features for now when they go to a document in IE 11. These features remain in maintenance mode and aren't receiving any further development. Microsoft are encouraging all customers to move to a modern browser and OneDrive Sync for a better user experience and easier access to files. All other apps and services will phase out over weeks and months to ensure a smooth end of support with each app and service phasing out on independent schedules. So if you're still clinging on to IE11, just know there's gonna be more changes rolling out in the weeks and months ahead and further disruption. Get off, get off now. The Awesome Damn Goff tweeted this week saying that he had to tweet it because we no longer have an app v form. which true, true. They really prematurely got rid of a critical support form for those using AppV, despite the fact it's still going to be around for the next five years. But hey, whatever. Not salty. But anyway, uh, Dan tweeted that in a Citrix environment with Win 10 and shared content store mode, when pre-caching apps into the image, random files in the cache are getting corrupted. He said that removing and re-adding or mounting the affected packages resolves the issues or resolves the corruption. He said at this time, McAfee antivirus is suspected, but it's still happening even after adding folder exclusions to the antivirus. So if you see similar behavior, I'll share a link to Dan's tweet, and maybe there could be a discussion and hopefully whether it's Microsoft or McAfee, who can push to get a resolution quicker. If there's more people asking for it and there's a unified front, maybe we'll get something going sooner. I was delighted to attend a webinar held by NetApp's PCs team where they hosted Microsoft's Scott Manchester as a guest. And while I didn't necessarily learn anything new from the actual presentation, I took the opportunity to ask a lot of questions in the actual chat that was going on the Q&A. And I did get some really interesting answers because you may recall on a previous episode of the podcast, I talked how um, Christian Brinkhoff had shared a link to a roadmap for Windows 365. Well, it is kind of useful. You do get kind of a rough idea of what's coming in the future, but there's really no dates, not even a kind of loose date given to most of what's on the roadmap. So... In the Q&A from asking questions, I found out that the Azure Active Directory domain join for the enterprise SKU should be available this calendar year. So currently it's only available for the business SKU. It should be available for the enterprise SKU within this calendar year. As should Microsoft Endpoint Manager integration and support for the business SKU. Not one of my questions, but I also saw an answer on the introduction of vGPUs, and the answer there was, they will be coming soon. And if you'd like to learn about Windows 365 Cloud PC, and hear about some of my experience and insights from using the desktop for the last two weeks, I blogged this week on Windows 365 Cloud PC, and also a separate article I posted two blog posts, one is, Cloud PC versus Azure Virtual Desktop, and one is just kind of a review, an initial review of Cloud PC. So I'll share links to both of those articles with this episode, which is episode 190, and you'll find that on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links, or usually you'll find a link to it within the description field of your podcast platform of choice for this episode. Citrix announced this week that Citrix users can now seamlessly have audio calls and their microphones will be redirected inside their published sessions when using the HTML5 experience. This added capability, in addition to the recently added external or internal webcam support, allows users to have a smoother VOIP call. The article posted also contains some recommendations for the to get the best performance on your audio calls by setting different policies and some other stuff in there as well. So if this is an area of interest, check that out and I'll share this link with this episode. This week, ControlUp has been recognized as a sample vendor for digital employee experience management category in three separate Gardner HypeCycle reports, including HypeCycle for the Digital Workplace, HypeCycle for Digital Workplace Infrastructure and Operations, and hype cycle for ITSM. In another Gartner report titled Hyperscale for Monitoring, Observability and Cloud Operations, ControlUp was recognized in both Digital Employee Experience Management category and Virtual Desktop Infrastructure category. Which makes a lot of sense. ControlUp has been a strength and strongly associated with Citrix, CVAD, previously ZenApps and Desktop and VMware Horizon. For a long time i mean if you've gone to an euc conference or an euc event or even a user group you're probably already aware of control up because they're constantly sponsoring and attending those types of events and now with new products like control up remote dx edge dx and Scalpies, they've expanded their offering so you still get that great euc monitoring real-time monitoring where the data collection interval and refreshes every three seconds but also get all of the ingredients required for a premium digital employee experience management offering, too. Finally, in the news for this week, I saw that Kevin Beaumont, who is a really excellent follow on Twitter, by the way, you should go out and follow him. He's Gosse the Dog, G O S S I the Dog, <laughs> one word. He stated that something that's being noticed recently in the security space that ransomware gangs have been exfiltrating Veeam backups of virtual machines rather than exfiltrating data from servers. He says, why? Because it's easier and quick and it's centralized. He said also, I guess it's easier to get around security monitoring because 7-zip on servers also has performance impact. So if you're just taking that VM backup rather than having to run 7-zip on a server, probably going to be noticed less or it's kind of quieter I guess. Network traffic on backup servers is already in the terabytes daily so it's going to be kind of maybe lost in the shuffle and less visible for those monitoring. Clever clever. And now this episode scripts tricks and tips. First up is an old one it's an article from 2018 but I think it's still very useful. Damien Van Robes has a handy PowerShell script for creating a custom sys tray or taskbar tool. So, if you have a tool that would make sense to launch via the system tray with a right click, that's something that you want, check out this blog post. Thanks once again to Thorsten, who I saw shared a really great blog post by Stephen Owen on the topic of learning GUI tool making with PowerShell. So I've created GUIs with PowerShell before, and the way I did it was basically taking other examples and kind of cobbling together and very slowly through trial and error, changing the UI to what I wanted. And if you want kind of a curated list of resources to get you started with creating GUIs in PowerShell, this is a a really great article because it's got all the links you should need. My buddy James O'Regan shared episode three of his Life on the Edge podcast. And the podcast episode doesn't just feature my buddy James, it also features my good friend Trenton Ty, who I've mentioned multiple times on the podcast. He's a great guy, has a wealth of knowledge, and James has been growing this really great podcast over the last few months. So I'd appreciate, and I'm sure he'd appreciate too, if you give it a listen and lend your support. And I'll share a link to that episode with this episode of my podcast as I do everything that I talk about on each episode of the podcast. I also saw this week that Guy Leach is releasing a script that can either that can either add an E1000 NIC and set PVS to boot off of it so that the VMware NIC can be updated or it removes the E1000 NIC changes the PVS boot device back, connects vmxnet VMX Net3, and can set PCI slot number back to what it was if changed. So if you're not in the PVS land, that might be a little bit confusing to you. Part of the reason for this is because sometimes when you're updating VMware tools, for example, in your PVS image, as you have to do quite often as the firmware on the host gets updated, during the install of the VMware Tools, it might update, say the VMX 3.0 NIC. Well, what happens is that then breaks the stream of your maintenance box and it crashes the machine and trashes the image. So one way that I have experience of getting around that is if there's a VMware Tools that updates that adapter and causes it to crash and messes up the image, I would just take a copy of that image, bring it over to Hyper-V, manually install the VM tools, then bring it back over. And it was an arduous task, it was a pain in the butt. So it sounds like Guy has a really great solution and people smarter than me (laughs) have figured out quicker ways of doing this. I did not, so this kind of solution would be really awesome. So if you've had that problem before, check this out because it's gonna save you a lot of time. And to toot my own horn here, which I kind of already did because I talked about my Windows 365 blog post earlier, but I also blogged on a non-Windows 365 topic. I posted a blog post on three top tips for avoiding ransomware attacks. So it's not the three top tips, it's just three top tips. And I go into an example of, we brought in CyberArk into a work environment I used to work in, and one of the problems with that was it was rotating Our domain admin passwords every couple of hours and also rotating our elevated accounts passwords every few hours not every two hours a little bit longer than that but still it was enough to be a pain when it changed and what made it particularly painful was if you were to have multiple RDP sessions open and maybe you forget like you left one open you're just working away the credentials The password gets updated and all of a sudden it's trying to authenticate on this RDP session you left open and it's quickly throwing a bad password attempt and then just eventually locking your account and then you have to get it unlocked and it's a pain in the butt. Particularly if you've locked your workstation or logged off when it has locked because then you have no way of getting even anything you need or trying to get help. You have to call someone or another example. I had a few RDP sessions open and then the network went down. So all my RDP sessions closed and I couldn't remember all the machines I was on. So in that case, locks were inevitable. But I came up with a solution to that and I shared that within the blog post because that actually is a tip from a ransomware gang. They got paid a ransom and they gave the victim some tips on how to secure themselves against future ransomware attacks. And one of them was Force Administrator Session logoffs. So I give you a solution on how to do that in the blog post. Finally, I would like to say a very big thank you to show sponsor Policypack Software, who just renewed sponsorship of the podcast for another year. I know I've said it in a few episodes, particularly when I'm feeling sick or feeling down, like, oh God, I can't believe I have to do another episode like, well, if I didn't have sponsors, I'd probably just skip this week. But having sponsors encourages me and incentivizes me to keep going. So, if you enjoy the fact that you get your weekly news highlights from this podcast and it saves you time reading, then hey, maybe tweet at PolicyPack and say a thank you to them because they're going to keep this podcast going at least for another 12 months. I don't know what I'm signing up for, but yeah, another 12 months. I actually enjoyed and now my work schedule or my work life balance is a little bit better. My kids are going to school in a couple weeks, knock on wood. Getting the podcast done in future should, fingers crossed, be a little bit easier than it has been. Well, I'm rambling, so just once again, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to my sponsors and I'll catch you next week.